first from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. Hear these words. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore sat down and put the good into the baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have heard of sardines? Show of hands. Oh, but I don't mean the sardines that come in a can that you or your cat might eat. So how many of you know what I'm talking about now? (laughs) The ones that were here earlier. (laughs) Sardines is actually a game that has been a favorite of the youth groups that I have worked with over the last 25 years. It's kind of like hide-and-seek in reverse. In the game of sardines, only one person hides. Everybody else ends up being the seekers. There's no home base that a hider tries to get to before being caught. There's no call of ollie ollie oxen free or come out, come out wherever you are or whatever else it is you call your fellow players out of hiding with. Instead, multiple seekers go out and find the person whom they have lovingly deemed it. And once found, each seeker hides with it until there's only one person left searching. The youth ultimately end up packed into a small area, like sardines are packed into a little tin can. Thus, the name of the game. For some reason, the youth love it, but it isn't always what it seems to be on the surface. One point of the game is that the group is to be as quiet as possible so as not to give away the hiding place. But if you know teenagers, you also know that that's next to impossible. There's always someone who talks or giggles or worse yet, passes gas or makes some other bodily noise that lets everyone else 
know where they're hiding. Additionally, when you're playing in a church facility, hiding spots get to be routine, and it takes ever more creativity to find a new one that hasn't been used before. This creativity leads to the discovery of ever smaller places for concealment. And by packing the body heat of several youth into a very small space, it becomes sweaty, smelly, and disagreeable even in the most pleasing circumstances. And then when you play it in the summertime, it's even worse. And then you always have the inevitable kid, usually mine, that cheats. He's the one who waits until everyone has searched that particular room over there and then goes into it after everybody's left. Or he's the one who sneaks in to a room and locks the door behind him so nobody else can get in and hide with him. It makes sardines the game, both delightfully lovely and oddly unpleasant at the same time. This kind of reminds me of the first four parables that we read today. In the first two, we learn of beauty arising from an inherent ugliness. You see, neither mustard seed nor yeast was viewed positively in the time of Jesus. Mustard was a weed that took over a farmer's fields, much like kudzu and salt cedar have overtaken the United States. And yeast, or actually leavening, was in reality a rotting, molding lump of bread and a contaminant that had to be thoroughly removed from the house before Passover could be celebrated. In the second two parables, we learn of the value of things that can be found in the ordinary when we take time to pay attention to the little. In one parable, we find an example of someone who sees a thing of value in a field that doesn't belong to him. And he buries it, buys the field, and completes his stash. In the other, we find a a merchant rifling through a box full of stones in search of something that will bring him great wealth. All four of these stories tell us about the things that are not easily seen. A small mustard seed, a tiny bit of leavening, a treasure hidden among a cultivated field, and a pearl stashed in a box of worthless rocks. Yet Jesus tells us that out of the hidden can emerge things of beauty. Mustard seeds hidden in a sack of grain turn into flowering shrubs that welcome birds of all species. Even though they are weeds that take over the fields, there is hospitality to be found in mustard plants. From a little bit of yeast comes enough bread to feed over a hundred people probably enough for the entire village or a wedding feast. Because the woman hid a little bit of moldy dough, dough, many were nourished. Even something buried in in the dirt of a field or in a box of nondescript stones can be of great value. In these kingdom parables, Jesus tells us that those things that are unseen are in fact working in their invisibility to bring us into the kingdom of heaven. Yet even in their clarity, these parables are often confusing and difficult to interpret. What does Jesus really mean when he says, 
The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in a field. Perchance he's really telling us that God's heavenly kingdom comes in small packages, but it surprises us with both its mechanism of delivery and its outcome. It comes in the form of a weed that invades our ordered existence, but provides a safe haven from the rigors of life, shelter from the rain and the sun, and sustenance for the journey ahead. Or could it be that he is really saying something like, between the humble beginnings and the glorious ending, the kingdom is something godly and invisible that's continuing to work on the soil of our humanity. Likewise, when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened, could it be that he's telling us that, like spoiled lumps of bread, transforming our flour into dough, we are being changed beyond recognition into a new creation in this world? Or could he be saying that even though we can't see or feel anything, his yeast is seeping into our lives to transform us into something new and different? When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, or the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, could it be that Jesus is calling us to a radically different life than the one we knew yesterday? One in which his grace reigns supreme and we sacrifice everything that is familiar, comfortable, and even valuable in order to find it? Or could it be that Jesus is telling us of the sacrifice that he would ultimately make to ensure that we could be redeemed and one day live with him in the new Jerusalem, a place where the streets are made of gold and death and pain and mourning are no more? Whatever it is that Matthew and Jesus are telling us in these parables, we can be certain of one thing. Jesus is not content to just let things be. When Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to us, he will mess with the status quo, and he will upset the orderliness that we want in our lives. Just when we get comfortable in our routines, Jesus will throw a mustard seed into our souls, and the voice of God will whisper in our ear, pushing us out of our comfort zones. For some like me, that push will be into proclaiming the word from the pulpit every week. For others, it will be youth ministry or Sunday school, music or trustees, or even working with the homeless or drug-addicted members of our community. Whatever it is, we can be assured that it will be prickly and at times very painful. It will disrupt our daily lives and change our priorities. And we will be forced into a space where we have to search the hidden parts of our beings and find the valuable pearl that is residing in the rocks of our souls. Ladies and gentlemen, the kingdom of heaven is here now. It is sometimes hard to see between all the stuff going on in the world. We look and we see airplanes being shot out of the sky, unrest and war that are killing innocent people, and multitudes of children crossing the border alone in order to escape drugs and violence that rock their world. Heaven is hidden under layers of race and violence and sex trafficking. However, Just as in the game of sardines where beauty and ugliness 
coexist and share the same space. Heaven is coexisting, coexisting with the ugliness in the world and hiding in plain sight. If we look closely, we can find it all around us. It is present in the beauty of the sun setting behind the rain clouds. It is present in the person that sacrifices a kidney so a stranger may have a more abundant life. It is present in the minister in the person who ministers to the broken and hurting, showing them what God's love is supposed to be like. And it is present inside of you and inside of me. God's kingdom is at work, even if we can't see it. God has hidden a lump of stinky, moldy, rotting bread in your flower of life, and it is transforming our flower into a dough that will eventually feed the masses. Yes, the price of receiving the kingdom of heaven is steep. It will push us out of the place where we are comfortable, and it will make us sacrifice everything that we hold near and dear to purchase the treasure. But the cost doesn't compare to the value of the treasure, a treasure that means life with our Savior. And brothers and sisters, that is the good news for us today. Jesus sacrificed all so that we could realize the kingdom of heaven here on earth, now, and tomorrow in eternity. Heaven may appear as if it is hidden from us, but it will ultimately prevail now and forever. And to that we can say, Amen and Amen.